0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Today.
1: Today. Today.
0: Today with Jeff Finds.
1: We are taking the gospel to the world,
0: pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher.
1: One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them.
0: Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining me again for more from Pastor Jeff Vines. In this episode, he's continuing a message that he started last time looking at the renovations of the heart. Pastor Jeff is referring to John chapter 7, and he's talking about transforming ourselves in order to combine our lives and our faith to make them one and ultimately to make them the same. Don't worry if you've missed any of the messages in this series, you can always catch up wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Finns. Now, let's join in with Pastor Jeff looking at John chapter 7 and hear the rest of
1: this message. It's written by Romeo Delaire, who was the force commander of the UN Assistance Mission to Rwanda from 1993-1994. He was sent to oversee the transitional government between the two fighting factions, the Hutus and the Tutsis. And it was an exciting uh, job, an assignment for him. But as you read the book that's some 500 pages, as he takes you through the entire step, he was there a couple of months in Rwanda before he realized that the Hutus had been orchestrating a genocide long before he got there. And they were just mouthing the right words, but down deep inside, they were planning to exterminate one million Tutsis in 90 days. He said that things he saw were so evil that it's still with him. It took him 20 years after the event to write the book, that he still sees things in his dreams and in his vision, that churches were safe havens for people to be able to come into. They had always been that way in Africa, and the priests would stand and guard the door. And if you were in a church, you were protected. But the Hutu militia, the young militia who had been trained with machetes, burst through the church doors, would slay the priest and the nuns, and then systematically, one by one, slice up the Tutsis. After these events, at one point, somebody asked him, do you believe in God? After all these things that you've seen, do you believe in God? He said, absolutely, because I've shaken hands with the devil. The thing about evil is that you begin to understand that if evil is real, so is good. And when you see the contrast, you run to it. And I know this sounds like a a transition that is troubling, but I'm really concerned about my country. I'm proud to be an American. You know that. I bleed red, white, and blue. But I never thought that corruption would come to America to the degree that it's in our country right now. I never thought it would happen. I thought that only happened in other places. Where are the truth tellers of our nation? Where are the great leaders who will not simply tell you and me what they think we want to hear to get our vote, but will actually tell us what it is they truly think and what they truly believe? Where are the leaders who actually care about the nation? That they don't just care about money and power and position, they actually care and want our nation to do well, who are thinking about generations not only in the present, but those who are to come. Where are those leaders who will pass legislation that brings prosperity back to our country? Where are they? Where are the selfless, sacrificial, sacred attitudes of the past? Where are they? I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Now, here's the thing. The problem with that is, you remember the story I've told on numerous occasions where in an international newspaper, there was a story about a truck driver that used to drive his truck up and down throughout Italy, making his delivery, delivering his goods, and he was, he was known to visit brothels all the time, and he was a married man. Until finally a friend of his comes to him one day and says, Look, I got this, I've heard about this name of this lady up in this northern province. If you visit this brothel, she will fulfill all your hearts and desires, and some you don't even have. He took the name down, couldn't wait, waited with lust, drove his truck when the day came up to the northern roots, went into this brothel, gave the name on the piece of paper, they marched him up to the third floor, he opened the door to find out that that prostitute was his wife. The international newspaper said that he tried to strangle her to death. It took six men to get him off of her, to keep him from murdering her. And the, the article kind of gives this hint to this reality. Isn't it interesting that it was okay for him to engage in that kind of lifestyle, but not okay for her to provide it? And the lesson is it's so easy for you and me to see the sin in others, but not ourselves. And what the Bible going to teach you is your heart is wicked that we're no better than anybody else that we all desperately need renovation that we need the kingdom of god to come to earth that we need this water and first peter tells us it's happened before though you've not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible inexpressible and glorious joy In 1 Peter 1, 22, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. And it goes on to say that these were people who were ridding themselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. They had humbled themselves under God's mighty hand. They had not segmented faith and life. They were one and the same. So can we all at least agree as we begin? We need this transformation, Right? (laughs) Renovation is possible and sorely needed. Number two, now this is important. Renovation occurs from the inside out. Now, when you go to restore an old property, do you just paint the outside? Let's just paint the outside. You've not renovated anything. You've just made the outside look better. But when you go in, the beams are still falling down. The foundation may be crumbling. True renovation doesn't happen on the outside. And you can make something look very good on the outside, but inside it's still just, at its core, it's still disastrous, untidy, unkept. Let me give you a modern-day visual example. What do these things have in common, folks? That's right. They may look good on the outside, but they're still Fords. They're still Fords. They may look beautiful, but it's still a Ford engine inside. Nothing has really changed. Jesus talking about in Matthew chapter five, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will also be clean. And I notice when I read these passages, nobody stops Jesus and asks, how? You're telling me I got to go on the inside and clean out the dish, but I Nobody ever says how. Because it's so foreign to them. Because you and I make the same mistake the Pharisees did. We think that if you paint the outside, everything's good. So when you and I hear a message like this. That there's a disconnect. There's a gap between faith and life. We start to enter into gap management strategies that only fix the outside, not the end. And so that's why we struggle for most of our lives to ever be any different. So some people... They just try harder. They say to themselves, man, I'm gonna just be heroic in my spiritual efforts. I'm gonna close this gap by sheer elbow grease. I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna pray longer. I'm gonna read another book. I'm gonna listen to more tapes. I'm gonna listen to Jeff Vine sermons all the time, even though he irritates me. I'm just gonna do it more and more and I'm gonna serve harder. And every time somebody asks me to do something, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna work hard. I'm even gonna work harder at being nicer to my mother-in-law. I mean, I'm going all out. And you hear somebody, a friend of yours say that they get up at 4 a.m. to pray and you feel guilty about that. So you're resolved. I'm going to do that too. So you start getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning, even though at 4 a.m. in the morning, you're dazed and you're confused and you're grumpy and you're groggy and nobody wants to be around. You. Even Jesus doesn't want to be around you at 4 a.m. But you say, I'm going to get up every morning at 4 a.m. and I'm going to do this. And you're exhausted. It's, you're miserable. And therefore, you think this has got to be spiritual. But the secret is, your secret is, you're tired. Not just physically, but you're weary in soul. Because you're trying to just paint the outside. Other people just pretend. Oh, they, they get really good at faking it. When you talk to them, man, they're always smiling. They're all, it's, it's as if nothing ever bad happens to them. And th- their lives are a miracle a minute. They smile. Every prayer they pray gets answered. Every decision is a word from God. And every sentence ends with praise the Lord, brother. Because they've really gotten good at impression management. Other people just keep rededicating their lives. (laughs) They go to some camp, or and all these things I'm talking about are good things, but they only dress up the outside. You know, when I was growing up, you go to youth camp. I didn't get to go to many, but I'd always hear my friends talk about this great speaker, and then my, my friends would you know live like the devil, and then they'd go to camp for that rededication, and they'd have that emotional experience, not knowing why. They'd have this emotional experience. And the pastor would always tell this story, you know, just last year there was a van filled with kids coming to this camp and it crashed and they were all killed. And if you died tonight, where are you going? And this story would happen every year. You wondered if the church had any kids left after about 10 years. <laughs> but you'd have this emotional experience and suddenly you'd do something, rededicate out on the outside and you're going to try harder and then you found yourself three months later right back on the same boat. Leonard Ravenhill, who wrote a book called Why Revival Tarries, talks about... Being at a revival meeting where everybody was having an emotional experience, nothing wrong with emotions now, as long as they don't start before this, and as long as they're governed by this truth. Somebody asked him, because they saw that he wasn't having the same emotions that everybody else was having in the revival meeting, and somebody walked up to him and said, Dr. Ravenhill, are you filled with the Spirit? Oh, his, his response was classic. He said, yes, but I leak. <laughs> we all leak. Some people just switch spiritual venues. My preacher, he's not feeding me. My small group, they don't like me. The worship, it doesn't move me. What's the common denominator in all those three statements? Me, me. Your experience in any of those things has a lot more to do with what's going on out there long before you ever get in here. And then there are others who just give up. They say, I know living water might be possible to well up within others, but not me. So they continue to yell at their children. They worry too much about their money or job. They pursue all the wrong things. They get jealous about people who are more successful or more attractive than they are. They use deception to get out of trouble. They pass judgment on people all the time. And anytime they hear a sermon on about putting off the old man and putting on the new, they don't get inspired. They just get further down and depressed. No joy, no hope. They just feel tired because it's just one more thing they got to try to do. That's, that's most of us. So they keep attending church and small group and they smile as if everything's okay, but down deep inside they know, man, it is a struggle and their faith is here, but their life is here and the two have been divided. Now listen carefully. This is the time of mercy, not judgment. And mercy comes in the way of instruction. Dallas Willard in Renovational Heart says this, the external manifestation of Christ's likeness is not the focus of Christian spiritual formation. When outward forms of behavior are made the main emphasis, the process will be defeated, falling into a deadening legalism. He's saying that you cannot renovate the house from the outside in. Which is why most of our Christians in America, you and me, struggle with this too. Which is why we continue not to reflect the attitudes of Christ. Which is why we are just as much worriers and fear mongers and fretting than everybody else. Why why we are anxious and depressed and why the statistics don't really differ between the Christ follower and the non-Christ follower. And quite frankly, why over a period of time we grow numb to things that used to convict us. And here's the answer. Because we think it's our job to renovate ourselves. The problem is, we are poor renovators. <laughs> we're just not cut out for renovation. We're like these guys, we'd rather be doing something else, and we're not very good at it because we think it happens from the outside in. And all that does all of our lives. Let me, let me say how Jesus said it in Luke 6, and we're gonna go deeper into these passages in the weeks to come. No good tree bears bad fruit, he says. And I, I, for years, I read that and I'm like, what? Well, of course, a good a good tree can have a a couple of pieces of bad. That's not what he's saying. He explains it in the next verse. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. What's he saying? You can do whatever you want to an apple tree, but it's still going to bear apples. You know, you can prune it, you can cut it, slice it, you can fertilize it, you can water it, but it's never going to grow oranges because it's an apple tree. You got to be changed at the root at the core has got to change. And Jesus says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of an evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So you're either a bad tree or a good tree. And if you're a bad tree, you're not going to produce good fruit. And the only way you're not a bad tree is if you start all over, all over. And the root is changed. So that obedience is the outcome of renovation, not the means by which one is transformed. You can go out and try to do better things and obey more, and that will have some impact, but you're going to struggle and fight until the root is changed. you got to go down deep in the inside. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian more than, what, going into a garage makes you a car. Something's got to happen. So stay with me now. One, renovation is possible. It's sorely needed. Two, renovation occurs from the inside out. And we're going to focus on the how in the weeks to come, but here's how I want to end. Just for this week, renovation begins with repentance, confessing that your house is in poor condition, and there's only one way out. Jesus said, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. When Jesus said, whoever believes in me, he's talking about whoever believes in the work that he's about to do and the subsequent body of teaching that he will present. You take it on board. Listen. Chris has got Chris. Bring uh, Tigger out here for a moment. Thank you very much. So here's Tigger. I think I've shared this once before. Stay with me. This is a, a Christmas gift that I bought my daughter Sion when she was eight years old. We were living in Auckland, New Zealand, and I started going to the Glenfield Shopping Center, and there was this toy store. I, I saw this thing in the summertime, and I thought, man, there was only one of them, though. And I got to get that for Siân. So, so late October. Sometime after Halloween, I went and I saw it. And when I saw the price tag, I almost changed my mind. But you know what fathers do for daughters. And I was afraid that if I didn't get it now, some other father was going to get it for his daughter by Christmas. So I decided I'd get it. I forked out the cash for it. Folks, I had to walk up three flights of escalators to get back to the parking garage and I had Tigger under my arm like this, and every little girl that I passed on the way looked at me as if I was the greatest father ever. <laughs> you could see it in their eyes. Oh, man, I wish you were my dad. Why can't, you, why can't you be my dad? I know what you did. And man, I thought, wow, this is, this is the envy of all these little girls. This is going to be a great gift. So I started getting fired up. And a thought crossed my mind that I knew it would get me in trouble, but I, that's okay. I was willing to pay the price. I could not wait till Christmas to give this to Sian, and I knew if I did that, my wife was going to get me, and she did, but that's another story. And so, (laughs) I walked right into the house after getting this, and I walked right into Sian's bedroom, and I said, look, Sian, she jumped, and she danced, and I was the greatest daddy, and she took this. She still has it. Look how good condition this is, folks. This is about 15 years old, and if she knew I had it right now, she wouldn't be happy. She's in Joplin, Missouri, so I've tried to take really good care of it, but she has taken such great care of Tigger. Now, here's the point. God can't wait to heaven to give you the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is here now. It is at hand now, and you can walk into it. (laughs) See, even Tigger, an inanimate object, is moving forward. You can go now. You can walk into it now, you don't have to wait. This is There's water that can come in and you can defeat your addiction to pornography. You can defeat your addiction to drugs and alcohol. You can become a person of character and integrity. You can gain control and power over your temper and anxiety and depression and fear and hate and jealousy and insecurity and inferiority and insignificance. You can become a godly man or woman. You can bury the grief of the past. You can forgive the person who's offended you. You can't live again. He can make dead bones come to life. He can bring life where there's been death. The problem is most of us don't know how it happens. And so we just dress up the outside. But the Bible says the Spirit of God will come in you and you can start to see the world as it truly is. And you can start to see things the way God sees them. And you can start to have a view of God that you've never had before. And it all happens when renovation and regeneration begins its work in you. You can do all things through Jesus who gives you strength. But here's the key. This is what we forget generation, regeneration, renovation is a gift of grace. That's where it all starts. It all starts when you confess that your house is in disarray. See, if you came to Christ and you said, you know what, I'm not really that bad a person, some of my house is clean, I'll invite Jesus in to deal with the parts that aren't. You don't get it. You don't get it yet. We're told in Scripture that the only hope we have is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Glory is the word doxa. Doxa means something that is beautiful, something that is righteous and glorious and pure. And we're told that we can attain to that to a degree that our life would model our faith. We may never be perfect, but we can look like in our life. We can compel others toward what has happened to us through this internal transformation that starts to manifest itself in the way we live our lives. Now, If you just try to dress up the outside, it won't be long. You go right back to this, segmented between faith and life. But if you understand it all begins when you say to God, my house is in disarray and there's nothing I can ever do. I need the spirit of the living God to come on the inside of me and start to transform and renovate and regenerate so that I can... Eat. What will he tell Nicodemus next week? You can't even see the kingdom. You can't even see it until you're born again. You, can't, you, don't even know, you don't even know what it's like. You can't even perceive it until renovation begins and the spirit of God comes on the inside. We talk about RSVPing all the time to the invitation God has given to repent of thinking your house is clean. It's not. To say you're sorry for thinking you can clean it up yourself. For verbalizing your trust in Jesus to clean up your house. To plunge your past, saying to everybody you're ready to live a new life and allow the Spirit of God to enter into you and begin to renovate your house. If there's anybody here, I don't want to go forward with this series until... We've said, if there's anybody here at all that needs to just confess and to repent and say, this house is unclean and I've tried to clean it up myself all my life and I've thought all my life that as long as I'm good, God will accept me and receive me and as long as I dress up the outside and I go to church and I say the right words and I smile and I read my Bible and I say a prayer, as long as I do that. But you know down deep inside in your life, you've made little to no progress since the first time you came to Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because you need renovation. You need total submission, dropping to your knees, and confessing to Christ. I cannot do this. I am unable, and I don't know where Pastor Jeff's going to go with this, but I'm excited to go on this journey, but I do know the first step is this. Here I am, God. Do with me as it seems well to you. And when you do that, the Bible says you step into the kingdom. The Holy Spirit takes residence at that point. And the change begins. You know, you know, I don't know if you know much about Augustine. Augustine uh, lived a horrible life before he came to Christ. He, uh, he was known, again, for visiting brothels, uh, prostitution. He was addicted to that kind of thing. And the story is told about Augustine. Augustine lived around two, 300. And Augustine, uh, prolific writer, uh, A story is told where after he had found Christ and gained power over all of these addictions and learned how that the Spirit of God renovates, ran into a woman that he had encountered frequently during his prostitution days. and She walked up to him and said, Augustine, hello. And Augustine looked at her and just gave pleasantries and niceties, but she felt that he didn't remember who she was. So she came back to him and said, Augustine, it is I. And Augustine turned and looked at her and said, I know, but it is not I. That could, that, that's fair for the Christ follower. And it starts it starts by admitting your house is not clean. And I invite you this weekend in humility to admit it and at least start the process of renovation and as we go through the series man i hope that at the end we walk out of here our lives making the march toward the kind of life we say we believe father we are grateful that renovation regeneration is what it happens with you not us It's a gift of grace that Christ in us is the hope of glory, the hope of us looking and sounding consistently with what we say we believe is with you in us. No longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us and through us. And I pray desperately, If there's anyone that knows, if they they truly confess that their house is untidy, it is unkept, that they would make a commitment to stop dressing up the outside and invite you in for transformation. They would do that this weekend. They would do it. They would go to their campus pastor or to their campus leader. They would step up. They would step up to the mark. They would say, I'm in, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start this journey. And I, I, this is what I want. This is that place down deep inside, overflowing with living water where there's joy and there is no fear or anxiety, but there's trust and hope. That's what we want. That they would be honest enough with themselves to begin by inviting you in. That is my prayer in Jesus' name.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff finds wherever you listen to podcasts.